Hey guys, hey, it's Danny. Hey guys, it's Drea, and you're back for another episode <laughs> of Spin the Bottle. Welcome, welcome. Today we have an awesome show for you. We have Soko Reynoso back in the studio. Back in the studio. Welcome, girlfriend. Thank you. You guys may have heard her from Keep That Same Energy. A really great episode. Yeah, it was super good. She's here to get our lives all the way together. (laughs) That's correct. All the way. And you know, we're doing a new thing this year. We introduced last episode one of our dream team correspondents by the name of Aaron Haywood. If you haven't checked that episode out, please do. Mm -hmm. But we have our second dream team correspondent on board who is Soko. And she is going to be our resident Dr. Glow Up because she just makes our lives better. So it helps better. us get our mind right. That's right. That's right. It's important. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. We thought maybe you guys might need a therapist or two to help you get things together. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe we thought we might need a therapist <laughs> because it's a thing. So we're going to get it. That's you guys it. have me here. It's like free therapy. It's exactly. Oh. It is exactly why we have it. <laughs> just kidding. And because we love you guys so much, sharing is caring. So you're just going to be a part of yeah. all of this. General upgrading this, yes. <laughs> yeah, you you know you must be an adult when mental health is like something you get excited about. You know that and balancing my checkbooks are two of my favorite things, which I think you made me a very boring seventeen-year-old because I was like, can't go out, guys. I'm balancing my checkbook and reading. So you took <laughs> that class seriously. Oh my mama. That's and now cute. I'm just thinking back, like, who was balancing their checkbook? At and how much money did you have? Oh, what were you balancing? Wait, wait, wait. I was balancing my swim, my swim coach. I was a swim. Um, oh, you had instructor to had the, like to four, a private to swim instructor lives. to like celebrities and all the rich people in Burbank. Okay. So I balanced my little money, and I was trying to buy a car. How responsible! That's what I was doing at seventeen. <laughs> I still want to be you when I grow up. I was very boring. <laughs> <laughs> but you read a lot. And look where it got you. Yeah, look at you now. <laughs> this there's a, it's a tough segue. It is. Let's just do it. Today's Let's go into it. Okay, word of the day. <laughs> Today's word of the day is malaise. It's a verb that means a general feeling of discomfort, illness, or uneasiness whose exact cause is difficult to identify. So feeling a general malaise is like, I just don't feel right. I don't feel well, you know. Um, in other words, Jane just hasn't been herself these days. She just felt bleh. Aww. Her normally upbeat demeanor was replaced with a feeling of apathy and malaise. So it's a noun. Don't you fret, Jane. Totally a noun. We have totally Soko in the studio to help you with your very problem. <laughs> also your malaise grammar. no more. <laughs> oh, rid that shit. Oh, okay, so you made it into a verb dun, just now. Dun. Whatever. I made it a verb. Whatever. There we go. I don't know. I don't know. You're so smart. Guys, we're so smart, and so are you now. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Today's episode is about identifying and understanding depression. So one of the things that we thought would be awesome is if we got out on the street and talked to people about what they think depression looks like and what it means to them. Enjoy the next segment. I'm here with my cousins, actually, talking to to my guys about depression. So I'm anxious to know, you guys, when you think of depression, um, what comes to mind? What what are the things that you identify as either triggers for depression? And what does that mean to you when you hear somebody say, I'm depressed? When I hear somebody saying they're depressed, I think sometimes they might be looking at the glass half, half empty, you know? 
Because it seems like in life, when things is bad, it's never as bad as you really think it is. And when things good, it's never really that good. It's just, you know, I think, I don't know, you had a moment. But like I said before, not eating, that'll be one of them. And uh, what's another one? I don't know, you have to come back to me. But yeah. All right, so yeah, so just, again, just to piggyback off of that a little bit, um, off the not eating thing, I think if you, anytime you're ignoring, like, normal you know regular you know, just human needs that we all need uh, i think that's a that's a sign of depression to me what i think of when when i'm when i think of depression i want to identify someone who is depressed i mean I, I don't think it's really anything you can identify right off the bat but if you're in a situation where you know everyone is happy and you know it's a happy environment and then that person just can't seem to enjoy the moment that might be a trigger of like oh wow that that person may, might be battling some internal demons or uh that's that's something like right off the bat that i would think of another one um i mean just being depressed i think it's just like someone who has like just a cloud over them at all times so um that's something to me that's how i would identify depression hmm. uh, I, I will identify somebody who has depression as someone who's isolating themselves from like um, social settings. Um, along with that, I'm listening to like a lot of music, more darker music, and we, in comparison to like, you know, happier music, upbeat. And also too, um, as, as um, Lanier said, and Dafir said, um, not eating, um, staying in more, you know, not getting no those nutrition you need, like that sun, you, you stand out the sun. And the last thing I would think about is someone who's like becoming um, the overuse of like um, substances and, and and those things. So those are all things I identify somebody with, and uh, that's about it. Have any of you ever been depressed at a point in your life? And if so, was there a trigger? Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. Everybody been depressed before. For me, it's death. That's like the, the worst thing. Everything else I can handle, but that right there, that's something I can't control. That's the worst thing. So it'll be that. Um, I, I agree with death. Um, also, when things aren't going like how you, you think they should go, like you... you your expectations, like you don't, you don't meet your expectations. You be like, damn, fuck, I was supposed to get to that point and I didn't. Or something is like, you can't like take that delayed gratification because you want something so instantly. So those are things I, I think. So for me, I feel like I can handle death a little easier. Um, I mean, not that I have much experience on, on that subject, but um, I sort of can rationalize it a little better. You know, I try to you know, figure out meaning and that. Um, what gets me depressed feels more around like relationships when it's like a person who you thought you knew inside and out, they change and flip like that. That can like make you depressed. Like, damn, like, is this something I did? Is so like those unanswered questions can make you depressed over time, especially when it's like a deeper relationship where it's like, yo, we really had some. So like the, the only time I can even think of being depressed that I had to snap myself out of dealt around like a relationship. And it's like, just because like when you really feel like you know a person and then one day that changes, like that can really like turn your world upside down. But as far as like everything else, I can, I'm pretty strong-willed and can handle anything that come my way in terms of like 
know, fighting, fighting out of it, getting through it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's from me being a cancer and we have more, like, emotional, like, tendencies, which I don't agree with all the time, but, like, situations like that, um, yeah, that's, that's the only thing I can, that has put me into, like, a depressive state where I had to, like, be like, hey, like, yo, you gotta get out of this, you're not yourself. Right? Anything other than that, you know? I got money too. I forgot. That's the biggest thing, right? <laughs> your money ain't right, especially as a grown man. You, you gotta have your money right. Your money has to be right. Women too, but especially men. Like, <laughs> do you think there are any symptoms of depression or any triggers that are specific to men? That maybe women may not. Any pressures you guys operate with, or anything that you think women may not be able to relate to? I would say. Not being an actual man and how to define a, a a man is someone who's providing. So if you like a, a man who's like mooching off of like a woman that you're in a relationship with or mooching off like family members or whatever, whoever household you in, um, that could be that could be a, a not a good feeling because you're just there and people just think they dictate you. You know, like, like yeah, you got to do this, you got to do that, and that that can make you feel less of a man and take away from your character. So I have my lady cousins now. We're having a chit chat about depression. And what I want to ask you guys first is when you think about depression, what does that mean to you? And what do you think are the symptoms of somebody who's depressed? Um, symptoms of depression. I don't know. What can I say? Uh, like I was telling Lanier, like postpartum depression, like babies sometimes make people depressed um what else can i say men make you depressed um <laughs> seriously um i don't like abuse makes you depressed um what else i don't know it could be a lot of different things school work family symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like the symptoms of depression, I know. When I'll be stressed out, I'll sleep a lot. Mm. Eat a lot. Or sometimes not eat at all. That's all I think about. Um, I think mostly right now when I think about it, I think about just kind of when you're really mindless, like you're not paying attention to how much you're eating or how much you're sleeping. Like you're just not necessarily taking care of yourself because you're so consumed with whatever the issue is. So you're not necessarily concerned about your own well-being. And I feel like whenever I'm not aware of like what I actually need for myself and it's like a repetitive cycle of me not taking care of myself. And that's obviously a sign to me that there's something going wrong but even just like a like super negative mindset like if I notice my thoughts are going dark all the time then I'm like what is going on has there been a time in your life where you have been depressed or where you have known you were definitely depressed and if the answer is yes what happened or what what was the what were the circumstances around you being depressed I've never been depressed never amazing okay. never nope I don't know if I've ever been depressed but I've been stressed the hell out I work a lot. All I do is work. Okay. I really don't do much but work. Okay. I try to have fun, but shit don't work. Mm -hmm. I'm always at work. <laughs> yeah, I for sure have been depressed. Um, but I think that if I think about 
the causes behind my depression. I think they were all things that I couldn't control. So things I didn't actually have control over to make better. Do you guys think there are any places that women may experience depression in a way that men don't or in a way that men can't relate to? Besides postpartum depression, they can't relate in that. They don't have our hormones to know what we're going through after babies. Yeah. Um, I, I think women have a different level of pressure. And men, it's like mostly like provision, like them providing and them like being the man for the house. But I think there are a lot of women that are carrying the brunt for their families and trying very hard to be strong in certain cultures strength is very important so sometimes when you're trying to be super strong for your family if you're a single mother or whatever you don't necessarily feel like you can give yourself the space to be sad or to have those moments and then I think when you don't let yourself have those moments then you for sure fall into some type of depression or like a very dark place because you're not letting yourself express what's actually happening but if you're too busy trying to be strong for your family then Thanks, guys. I really appreciate your feedback. It's time to spin that bottle. Our favorite part of the show. <laughs> Here are the categories for the week. Black cinema. Black people magic meets the silver screen with a twist. Ooh. I don't know what the twist is. So the twist is, if it lands on this, we're going to identify characters in black cinema that have displayed depression really well. Like a realistic land on that one of depression. I don't know anyone, but I'm sure I can think of black cinema. I like that. Okay. Okay. Next up is lesson learned. Damn. Never again. (laughs) You learn the hard way. (laughs) I feel a way. Sometimes things need to be exposed. It just can't go away unnoticed. It's true. Lyrically, though, the tunes we've been singing incorrectly or misunderstanding for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Or they're just like really bad lyrics. Exactly. That's not in the Bible because it may be comforting, but it ain't Jesus. Mm. We have it on record. Yeah, that's good. And currently crushing people, places, and things that we are currently loving. Let's spin the bottle. That's not in. <laughs> That's the not in the Bible. Sorry, I've it's had okay. two glasses of wine. Okay, Good. just kidding. It's Good. only. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, let's talk about some things that are not in the Bible or some things that may be topics that fit on my Christian demographic that we may want to discuss mm-hmm. and unpack. I, for one, have um, a twofold comment. Uh, so lots been happening in the news with Alabama, if you haven't been paying attention. Uh, they have recently passed the most restrictive abortion bill in the country. And on the heels of that, they also decided to... Uh, publicly boycott in our an episode of Arthur on PBS which is a cartoon aardvark for those of you who are unaware who Arthur is it's a cartoon he's, he's an aardvark and his sister DW is hilarious his sister DW is also lovely uh, this show has been on TV for a very very long time the episode is entitled Mr. Ratburn and the Special Someone 
And the emphasis of this episode is basically the whole Ardovark family is going to a wedding. Mr. Uh, Ratburn is getting married and he is getting married to an animal that appears to is be Is Mr. Male. Ratburn the history teacher? Mr. Ratburn is the history teacher. This whole you time. You know this. You this watched whole the time. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> that what? That Mr. Ratburn had a special someone. Yeah. Well, he does. <laughs> he does. And you know and what Alabama said about Mr. Ratburn's special someone? What? They said this episode cannot air and this is not good for the children. Because it teaches what? Uh, apparently people are scared that children shouldn't be seeing gay relationships depicted. Same-sex marriages depicted in any way, shape, or form. The content creators did come online and, and talk about it and said that they are working on incorporating all different people from all different ways of life into the episodes because hashtag representation. Yeah. But, um, Alabama has a problem with it, so... Let's talk about Alabama. Let's talk about <laughs> Arthur. Let's see where this goes. Alabama Can your kids catch a special someone by watching a television show? Should kids not be seeing representation of same-sex couples? Would you allow your child to watch that episode? Yeah, because I want my child to be aware of all the options that are available to them. And that is one of them. Maybe it's an animal. Like I don't want to limit you in your love. <laughs> Love is limitless. <laughs> I just, I, here's the thing. I just think representation is, a, is important. And I don't think that a child will just automatically become gay by watching a cartoon about a city that just happens to have Mr. Ratburn and a special someone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's not a thing you catch, you know, um, it's not like a cold. It's not like, I don't think that's how that works. Mm -hmm. And I think to not represent people who are a part of the world and and communities i don't know i don't really get it uh i'm taking umbrage with alabama as a whole it's never been a place i wanted to go but i certainly will never but ever the rent go there. is so cheap yeah, nah, and look you pay for it I'm just well, what's you really bad it. is it like so i've never i've never like stayed in alabama but i passed through my mother's from mississippi and there's like a lot of beauty in the culture of the south Right. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it sucks that we now have this uh, negative view of the entire state when there's still like people like you and me there. Yeah. Um, so still visit. Uh, mm. I just think that, like, there's so many things that are unrealistic that we see on TV. They're like out of the ordinary that we allow. But like we say, but, but not here, like not with sexuality. Like, don't fuck with that because that is what's bad. It's like there's so many make-believe things that are out there. I don't watch enough TV to speak on it, but I'm just thinking, like, there's superhero people who fly. Like, that's not real either. And There's Harry so Potter. There's oh, there's all kinds there's of which, magical listen, things. The Christians may also say that's demonic. So <laughs> they have a thing for it's everything. Definitely there's a thing for, for everything. Sure, for sure. So I want to be clear on this because Dre and I are both Christians. We love God. Um, but I definitely do feel... Um, that there's a rigidity and like a fundamentalist kind of uh, thing that just doesn't have anything to do with God. And I know ab abortion is an extremely hot topic, but I think most people who are rational can agree that like how stringent this law is, even if you are pro-life, this is very, very stringent. So if you are underage and you're raped, you can go to jail for having an abortion. That's pretty ridiculous. If your life is in danger... <laughs> Well, there, there. it seems like that's kind of maybe, except if your life is in danger. But how you depict that is, I don't know, 
but it, it just seems to be very, very extremely rigid. I do mm-hmm. know that there is an agenda to get this to go to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. so that Roe versus Wade can be overturned, which I think will be a different conversation. Um, but I'm definitely worried for the women in Alabama. And um, it's sad, it actually. Is. It's really disappointing and sad to see this happening. I think what people aren't considering, and may- maybe they are considering this, but it seems silly, is that um, it's going to happen. And now it will just happen in unsafe ways. Right. And I don't think that 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 issuing sort of an edict for everyone to follow, especially people who there are lots of people who are not believers. Exactly. And And that is my biggest issue with it. And they shouldn't have to follow those laws if they don't necessarily want to. I personally (laughs) believe that having being I'm pro-choice. I'm also pro-life. Yes. But I'm pro-choice because, as a Christian, I believe that God allows you to choose. If God doesn't force us to choose him. This is exactly my point. (laughs) If he doesn't force you to choose him and want you to choose on your own, then you should not be forced to choose by law. And it just shouldn't. You cannot govern morality. We've learned this from the prohibition when we tried to outlaw alcohol. That didn't work. People did not stop drinking. And I think a lot of people are fooled into thinking like, oh, I just believe that babies should be able to live. That's wildly reductive, one. And two, a woman who does not want to have a baby is just going to find illegal ways to not have a baby. Abortion is not a new thing. Roe versus Wade didn't make abortion all of a sudden a thing. There are ancient right. Egyptians oh who were drinking tea. No one knew about women this. Women have until... been trying to not have pregnancies since as long as women have been getting pregnant. So mm-hmm. the question is, is like, are we going to make women resort to back alley situations? Also... Mm-hmm. The people who are forcing you or making it a felony now aren't giving you any assistance once you have a baby. They're just saying, hey, you have to have this baby. Never mind your situation of life at all. And then, I think yeah. what they're saying behind it all is like pe- they want people to only use sex as a like to rep- reproduce, not seeing it as like something that is just pleasurable. I think that the push is like I want the nation to have sex responsibly. I think that that's kind of the backing of some of these people wanting to outlaw abortion but responsibly in a lot of ways if we're coming at it from a christian perspective means until you're married right which i think also brings up some issues for people but again it's not your business alabama and this is like the problem so we have a country we have a legislative branch a judicial like we have a whole government and constitution and all of these things that happen to protect the rights of people so of people to tell of someone all kinds. of all kinds. So when you have someone passing a law saying, oh, I believe that life is precious and ordained by God. That's your belief. So when you get pregnant, believe that life is precious mm-hmm. and ordained by God and have mm-hmm. your baby if you're raped and 13. Like, by all means, you you make that decision. But one, our country is not just Christian. It's not. So what about people who don't believe in God? Exactly. What about them? And you don't get to tell people what to do with their bodies. I also don't believe that me saying that as a Christian means that I want babies to die. That's not what I'm saying. I think that there's a lot of direct correlations with if you Mm -hmm. say this, then you don't believe babies should live. And that's not what I'm saying. I am probably, of all my friends, probably love children the most. I'd agree. And, yeah, I wouldn't encourage that. I would encourage you to make your choice. Mm Mm-hmm. But I would, you know, in my heart, I'm like, yeah, of course I want children to live, but I'm not going to police you and what you need to do with your body. 
And are you going to help me raise my, if you want my child to live, are you going to help me I'm raise my say baby? No. Are you going to give me <laughs> yeah, the, the assistance? You're going to get a really nice baby shower gift that will run what out. What are you exactly going to do? And this is just the and other I think, questions that we and have. That's a, And I really, I like that you bring that up too, because, you know, um, not that this happens to all young people who have kids at a, at a young age, but you know, the, the chances of them ending up like on welfare or needing assistance are pretty high. Extremely. And then you're stuck into this system and there's a stigma that goes along with it. Like you get all these different things. Like it's a really awful snowball. Um, and you're, what you said is sure. No one's there for you. To no one's there you. for you. And, and be clear. I know this is a, this is going to be a controversial statement, but I thought it was a little bit accurate. There was a guest on Trevor Noah's show. She was a woman, um, a Caucasian woman, and she was just talking about understanding the danger of what this precedent is setting and she was like let's be clear everybody really wants to talk about this really being abortion like we just care about life we just care Mm -mm. about the life that's not what this is about because people who have a lot of money will continue getting abortions with private doctors and go on to live their lives exactly the way they want Mm -hmm. people who don't have money and who need to access services like free clinics and who need parenthood and all the things that are Mm -hmm. provided those are the people that are going to be hurt. So now when I have to have a baby, what are the socioeconomic impacts of that? And if you think about that that way, it does keep people here. Yeah, Think mm-hmm. about that. Certain people, if you have to do that, it keeps you at a certain place so that you can't grow. Exactly. And so it's not just about like, oh, we just love babies and we want babies to live. Easy. Most women don't turn around and go, oh, how can I decide to murder my baby today? Just because oh, I don't care. Hard, yeah. Just because I want to have decision. sex and have an abortion and kill a baby. And I think that's the way a lot of people who are who have had abortions or who consider that are painted. And then pro-life is just like, we just believe in God and life. And there's no gray area to discuss, but there is a ton of gray. I wish we had someone else here who was from the other side because I haven't talked to anyone from the other side, probably because I don't want to. But right now I'm (laughs) curious. Like, I think they have more to give than what we are exploring. And I agree. Be interested in hearing. And that. what I will say is, I do think even even people that I have, because I've tried to talk to pro life people, they're even pro life people. I mean, even listen. Let's give President Trump just. Even he was like, "Listen, this is very stringent. <laughs> like, if it's rape, if it's incest, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. This should be allowed under this law. Incest. If your dad rapes you, if your brother rapes you, doesn't matter. If somebody rapes you, if you're 13, doesn't matter. Like, none of that matters. Like, that's that's pretty crazy." I do like the idea of bringing someone who um, doesn't think in the same way yeah. on and just to talk about this. You know, because I do. It just it really it sits in an interesting place for me. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to discuss more and hear more. Maybe one of these days we will bring a pro-lifer in. I don't know any. Do you? I know some. I would actually okay. love to listen. Yeah. We welcome. I think I definitely let will. me just say this. We welcome <clears throat> all opinions. And I think we've said that over and over again. And if you have uh, challenges, please, by all means, write us. We will read your letter and talk about it. So if you've listened to our episode, Keep That Same Energy, then you will recognize this voice. Soko Reynoso, our resident therapist or, you know, Dr. Glow Up is back to talk to us about depression. And before you go thinking that this is going to be a downer, trust us, it's not. She's not your average therapist. <laughs> she is not your average therapist. Uh, we definitely have a bunch of jewels to offer you, but before we dive into the conversation first, Soko, tell us just a bit about you for the fans who don't know you. Hi, my name's Soko. I'm 35. I hey, live in Inglewood. I own and operate a private practice. 
um, called Soko Ray Therapy, and I'm really focused on getting younger people into therapy, getting people of color into therapy, and helping people see that therapy is not a big scary thing. It's mm-hmm. really just a conversation with someone who looks like a family member um, who just is there to listen and to help you process what's going on for you. Um, I'm I'm really excited about the way I get to do it because it's my own. I get to do it my way. So I'm able to incorporate like all the parts of me into the marketing. And it's dope because none of it's forced or fake. And I'm just being like my authentic self. And I feel like that's like that's when you're really alive and that's when you're really Mm -hmm. thriving. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I think that's it. Oh, I'm an LCSW licensed clinical social worker. I've been licensed since 2015 and practicing since 2010. I'm a graduate of UC Berkeley School of Social Welfare. Yeah, you are. Yeah, go Bears. <laughs> and I think that about sums it up. No children, no ring. And <laughs> that's it. <laughs> she is not your average therapist. Not yes. at all, yes. guys. And I think what you said is really cool about just how you do look like you're having a ton of fun. And you're doing something that's so good for the community that I just really, that's why we love you. And we, love and we just love how you do such a you do. love you girl yeah. and also she's good at what she does she's good so. yeah i forgot to mention that i actually <laughs> am good yeah um, yeah <laughs> yeah i i will brag for a little bit i think that um so like when it comes to clinical diagnosing and all of that like yeah i know the lingo because i studied it and i passed an exam but for me i'm just really about connecting with people mm-hmm. and um helping people realize that they're very very special and helping them tap into that by giving them like really focused attention. And I really do genuinely like when I am in rooms, I'm like gazing at people and admiring their magic. And so I think like that's a natural skill I have and it pulls the magic out of people. And so um, I'm good and I think I'm easy and I'm, I make things comfortable. Yeah. And the shit's working. Like it's yeah, really working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. That's awesome. So tell us um, how can you do how would you define depression so i have the dsm i think that thing's recording me i have the dsm right here so the dsm's got all kind of literature like 50 pages i think are dedicated to the um categories of depression but how i would define it is um like a lack of motivation feeling sadness being lethargic um unmotivated Mm -hmm. hopeless tearful uh unable to get out of bed not excited about life that's how i would describe i feel depressed right now so it's true yeah i'm also tired Drea? i know i know i can are you extreme. pulling out erroneous no no I, but no i really want to know i really want to know has told me to acknowledge certain things yes okay so don't you can't brush things under the rug no i'm not no. that's what i'm saying i know, are we I having know. A... but i do sometimes i, no, I, love I do exaggerate yeah well, even okay what I wanted to do since we like get to free flow here, which I love, is I really wanted to talk about, sure, I could read this shit to you guys totally. Here, let me read you guys the um, diagnostic criteria criteria for one. Okay, we're going to get real boring and then we're going to get real fun. Where is it at? Major <laughs> depressive disorder. You must meet five or more of the following symptoms, okay, in two weeks. Depressed okay. mood most of the weeks. day. Markedly diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities most of the day, nearly every day. Hmm. Significant weight loss when not dieting or weight gain, insomnia or hypersomnia, so, you know, not able to sleep or sleeping too much, psychomotor agitation, fatigue or loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt, diminished, dimin- sorry, had some wine, <laughs> diminished ability to think or concentrate, recurrent thoughts of death, recurrent suicidal ideation without a specific plan, 
or suicide attempt or a specific plan for committing suicide. Okay, you must meet five of those to meet the criteria. But I've met, I've been like three for five many Mm -hmm. times and that shit sucks too. And so I think like for me, what's most valuable is hearing other people's stories. So Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, it'd be really dope for us to share moments where we felt really fucking down and what it was like for us, Mm -hmm. how long it lasted, what we noticed when it was happening, how we came out of it and how we now look back at it, you know, in retrospect. I think that's what's fun. So I invite you both and I will too. And I don't know, like you guys, we can take this however you want to. If this isn't good, we can go somewhere else. But no, I'm happy to do this. I want to talk about that. Gosh. Okay. So I'm a Debbie Downer. You so. don't call yourself. Okay. Down. Sorry. You're, no, you're, you're, you're real. Be kind. <laughs> be kind to my friend. You be That's nice to my friend. Um, I'm not really a Debbie Downer, but I, I don't know. I kind of want to think about a little like what ways I felt. Oh, I mean, I can go back to my, um, not that I haven't felt this way before as an adult, but I distinctly remember in college and even in, in high school, I would be really sleepy mm. and I would just fall asleep. I would just go. No, I wouldn't even, it wasn't even a fall asleep. I would go to sleep um, when things were overwhelming. Mm. <laughs> I would just, I would just get so tired. Oh, wait, is that a sign of depression? Well, it, it might, is low key how I cope sometimes. When I'm like, it's too much, I'm just like, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to lay down and then I'll wake yeah. up and I will. I think in conjunction with other things, uh, I, yeah, I would say that that was, I would say, and I would say things like, oh, I'm so tired. And I wouldn't really be tired. It was just something that I would say and, and how I would act and respond to things. Um, and it took me a long time to just kind of real, to recognize like the words I was saying and then and to tell myself like, are you really tired or is there something else that you're feeling? You were asking yourself those questions in I college? do because I. am pretty advanced. Well, I'm a heavy journaler, so I think <laughs> Yes, <a lot>. you are. <laughs> Um, and I'm always, I was always trying to understand, and I still am, like, the root of, like, what it is. That's beautiful that, that you do Trying that. to get to the root, yeah. Um, I know not everyone does that, but, um, I certainly am, like, very existential when I, when thinking about things. Uh-huh. Um, but I do remember that. I do remember just being tired. Do you um, remember, like, um, feeling hopeless or helpless about things at that time? I think helpless, probably. Um, I think it, I sort of, I mean, I can even say now it's like I ebb and flow between like hopelessness and helplessness. Like I just have to remind myself often that I'm, that I'm not, um, Mm. definitely. And I was really unmotivated to do a lot of things unless it was someone asking me to do something. Mm. I could not do it for myself, Mm. but Mm -hmm. if someone needed me to do something like, I don't know, be vice president of black student union. Sure. I would do that. Okay. So, yeah. That's interesting. That so like if I had to make a some sort of like conclusion or hypothesis yeah. about what was going on for you, I'd be like, okay, so it's college. Uh-huh. College is a lot. College? There's a lot of transitions, so right? Much. College is a lot. And you don't fully know how able you are to conquer the transitions. I felt I couldn't do any of it. Yeah. And and sometimes you are aware that you feel like that, and sometimes uh-huh. you're unaware that you are not equipped or feeling unequipped or inadequate and I think that that like informs you it pretends to inform you of your abilities and it's actually like not always accurate 
And so you kind of walk around like, I can't, I can't subconsciously or consciously. I can't, I can't. And that leads to like a depressed mood, Mm -hmm. a saddened state. And if you feel like you can't, you're like, well, I'm not even going to try it. You know what I can do? Sleep. (laughs) So good at it. (laughs) So we get after that. Yeah. Cause that's easier than dealing with the feeling of inadequacy or the challenges that are steadily in front of you. Mm -hmm. I, uh, so I'm going to be totally transparent here. I, um, I did not realize that I, I think I was in a place of depression for probably about two or three years and like, didn't know it. Like Mm -hmm. I was in like a mild, just kind of depression. And there were a lot of things happening. Um, but I was in my twenties and I was kind of trying to find my way through life. And, um, I got into church and church was really like a blessing. It was really a great thing to help me kind of like get things in order a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think what happened was I really overcorrected mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and took a much more rigid position than was like organic to me because I thought that like this is what Christians say and this is what Christians do and this is how Christians act. To be clear, I am not saying anything against the church or any of the merits, just the way I responded to that particular time in my life. And what I felt happened was like a series of like me doing things not as myself. I don't know any other way to explain mm, that. It was just like going like, through the motions. It was like, duh, 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 duh. it was, this is what I should do. The same talk. It was like, uh, it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't being honest and authentic with people around me at that time about like the things that I was actually struggling with. So it was like a lot of that was in the guise of like I used um, church and God in a lot of ways to hide a lot of things that were going on with me and like mm-hmm. present something to the outside world. But inside I was like corroding a little bit because mm-hmm. it just wasn't true and it wasn't authentic and it wasn't who I was. Um, And I made some very difficult decisions from then, from that point, and just like felt like an imposter, but didn't realize it. I was just like, this is what happens when you do the right things. And because of that, and because of my misunderstanding of the gospel and who God is and all, because that is, that's Mm -hmm. not it. But I didn't understand that. So it was like this rigidity and this kind of like religiosity and this like thing Mm -hmm. that I knew was like, felt like I was betraying myself, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to show up as me in church. If that makes yeah. sense. So what? there was like this, then I was dating. It was just a lot of things where I was like, well, we can't. And a lot of just like things that happened in the context of like my, in, my misinterpretation mm-hmm. of what it means to have a relationship with God. And I was very depressed for like maybe three to four years. But so help me understand the depression led to you seeking church or it just happened to no it happened like three years into church like the oh, person that i became oh oh you oh, see like what i'm you saying shut off a part of yourself i maybe. shut off many parts of myself where i was just like that's done because i'm knowing without doing the work it was just <laughs> like those uh, are the stories that you're in your moments then, in your moments of solitude you were hurting still and were you i was always hurting I was struggling it and maybe not hurting but i was struggling i was working my way through things but I didn't know how to explain that I'm grappling with this and so I would just take the like stock answer and like present that without any understanding of it Uh for Hmm. myself and even modifying what felt right to me like well what would a Christian do except I got that even wrong 
you you understand uh-huh, what I'm uh-huh. saying? And so I so, learned those lessons later, but I just didn't know. I was in like a fog of just like twenty. Rah, 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 rah. What, what what part of your twenties were you in? It was my mid to late twenties. Okay, yeah, which is kind of like most of my clients come to me. Yeah, around that time. <laughs> yeah, late twenties, early thirties. Um, looking back now, what was it that you were grappling with? Because I'm sure that what you have to share is something that a lot of people share with you. I'll be frank. So what I was grappling with at the time were several things. So one, um, I was grappling with understanding spirituality versus religion, right? Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, I really wanted to perform well and appear well as a Christian. So starting off there is never a good thing. So that's one. But then two, I was making decisions based on like revelations that other people had for you for, you? for me that and show, that was man. guys they used the to stand out like, in the front of church uh, saying they had yeah, a prophecy for you yeah. i was like if you and that's the don't thing get the hell so out of my face that is not to negate the power of the prophet it's not any of that but i'm solely speaking about my experience so there was a lot of um prophetic words that were mm-hmm. manipulative mm-hmm. that were inaccurate that were used you know almost like in a weapon kind of way um there was a lot of just like oh we do this and did you do this and I was dating a guy and then it was like, did you pray about it at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Did you pray about it? Do you know if he's your husband or not? And I was like, nah, I'm just trying to date him. Can like, I that's how I came first? in. Like, I'm just trying to kick it and have a good time. That wasn't really acceptable. It was like, you either know he's your husband or there was just a lot of different you know. things where I was just like, uh. <laughs> I just remember coming to church and people with Jared because we were married at the time and people were like, oh, so did God give you like a prophetic word? And I was like, no. no. That's not how it works. Well, not it. But actually, for a second, I was like, did I get it wrong? Did I get right? it wrong? Literally, yes. like, because so many people would come and yes. talk to me about it. And then I'd hear all these words from, you know, women who were uplifted in the church for whatever reason. And I was just like, oh, man, I feel like I got to go back and pray, but we've already done it. I don't know. Am I doing it? Yeah, it's incredible it's just hard. how your community can influence you in a way that's like. And maybe to be clear, that isn't yourself. necessarily to blame. No. Because there were such mm-hmm. powerful parts of that community. Right. But but I found myself just like letting myself kind of be taken by the current and the tide when there were things yeah. within me that was like, you actually don't agree with that. Yeah. You know, you don't agree with that. Or you or like this isn't a lesson that you've learned yet. Or you don't understand why you're saying that. And instead of like allowing myself to kind of do the work, I just showed up as some like Blank stock version without. of me. Okay. Waiting you... for prophetic mm-hmm. words. Yeah. Kind of. You know what I mean? To some degree. Because I was always skeptical of those two. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. But it just my experience through that um, and understanding for me, at least, my spiritual practice is certainly like a one-on-one relationship. Yes. And it is dynamic and it guides me and all of those things are beautiful. And when I feel like God is talking to me, that's a different feeling than what I was operating from in that specific mm-hmm. place. Like I just didn't want to show up and be wrong. And what I found was a lot of, I was just hiding a lot of trauma and a lot of stuff that was going on that I could have easily reached out to my community about, mm-hmm. but I was too proud. And I, Dre and I were, you know, I, I was the, I was leading a women's ministry and there were like things happening where it's just like, we don't talk about this stuff here. And I'm not going to be the one to, and as vulnerable as I could be, like, just not all the way. Yeah. I just wasn't in my skin. Uh-huh. And so I was sad. That I think I was depressed and yeah. I didn't know it. I just didn't know it. And it was showing up how for you? The depression was looking Sleeping like? Sleeping a lot. Okay. Um, being inauthentic. Just, like, it was weird. I just kind of, like, hit a an even. A general malaise. Yeah. It, was, it was straight up malaise, girl. 
It was straight up malaise. Where it was you like, were malaising. We were malaising. I was malaising. <laughs> like that should have verb. Okay. I was like on sleep and didn't realize it yeah. though. Like yeah. I was doing stuff, but I look back and I'm like, what happened over those like three robotic ish? Crazy stuff was happening, and I was just like, uh, oh, you know what I mean? Like, that that oh, it, okay, that just happens, and it, it was just I timed out. Yeah. I just feel like I timed out on myself. I timed out so on my what voice. Is that is that just like not honoring who you truly are and not honoring what you feel is authentic. Yeah. And that creates like um, dissonance that creates conflict within you. Um, Yeah. When you're not true to yourself, like who are you true to? And that feels yucky if you're not true to yourself. So there's just like an, an, an eternal discomfort. And that's what it felt like. And there was a lot of things I was like trying to do because I felt like I'm, I'm not this girly girl and this like vision of this, like, Christian pure I'm not it I'm not I'm not that girl yeah and I'm trying to like figure out how to if that's the girl I'm trying to figure out how to do that but I'm I'm very opinionated to figure out who you were supposed to be exactly yeah as like a now a woman who has said I'm a Christian Uh and professing this and like I'm walking in this life well what does that look like now yeah but then listening to people being like that's still Okay, these are supposed to be my people now, but that still like feels weird to yeah, me. It doesn't like, feel I don't right. Now I... <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what's so interesting about that is I feel like so many people were doing that at that time, just because there was just so much to discover. Yeah, we didn't know how to break through the barriers of talking to somebody about it or no. talking to each other. No. You know, well, that takes a lot of bravado. I'll say a female bravado. That takes a lot of bravery yeah. to just open up and say what's going on for you. It's very difficult, especially at that time. And and we can wrap this up because I know this is becoming a different kind of conversation. But even at that time, like what I found a very difficult time with was showing up as a Christian woman who has a very like robust sexuality. <laughs> Like that was very difficult for me. Like I don't. Those two worlds clash. Those two worlds clashed for me. And I didn't know how to reconcile what that meant. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I'm a sexual being. I enjoy sex. I believe that in a committed monogamous, you know, when I came into church, like those were my beliefs around it. Understanding that there was a different perspective. And then all of a sudden, like I tried to become like kind of virginal. And that just wasn't my story, bro. Like that wasn't me. Like I don't. That's not me. Do you know what I mean? I so this whole like, oh, maybe we should not and we should wait till marriage. It was just inorganic. It's nothing against anybody who makes those decisions. Those are beautiful decisions. But I think you. I just didn't give myself space to honor my journey. Right. And turn out you can talk to people about your sexuality. You can <laughs> say I'm a woman who enjoys sex and I'm a Christian. I just didn't know that mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to navigate that way because no one's talking about how to do it that way no one's talking and you're about saying, it you're saying like we're getting off topic but we're absolutely not i think that like people think of depression they're like no no no, it's like suicidality it's like yeah. no more often it's not more often it's this it's the little shit that we allow to become big that can really like take you off your path yeah and luckily you found your way back but some people are still stuck feeling like they have to fit in so i think this conversation is so valuable so that they know like no you don't if it doesn't feel right it's for a reason. It's for a reason. Yeah. And understanding that if you are a Christian, like, God can handle all of those conversations. Like, don't be fooled. Like, all of you yeah. can come before God and it's, like, you not raw, an issue. You raw with God. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. I do. I do uh, want to provide some context and share some statistics with you and see okay. if these resonate with you. I looked up um, specifically mental health in the African-American community because we are people of color and that's traditionally a little underrepresented when it comes to mental health, at least as far as what I've seen. There's not a lot, you know, 
there tend to be stigmas around mental health somehow. So we don't talk about up, it. We don't talk about it. We experience it probably at larger rates because of oppression, but um, it's there. Well, I think we're also taught in a lot of ways that it's like, no, you're just strong. Like mm-hmm. life is hard. Things happen. We're not pausing to I like, agree with that. short of you being certifiably like we need to put you in an 50 institution, yeah. <laughs> 5150, short of that saying like, I'm just having a tough time <laughs> grappling with the minutia of life. That's kind of, I don't know, it, it's a little, it feels sometimes like it's frowned upon or like maybe seen as weak to just say like, I, I'm having a hard time coping. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just just true. nothing major, but just not coping well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I talk I to I had somebody? this moment a couple of weeks ago or like last week where I was like, mm, I cannot physically say the words, but, but I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so 13.2% of the U.S. population identifies as black or African-American. So just to be said that. 16% of those people have a diagnosable, like an actual diagnosable mental illness, this says, per year, which is 6.8 million people. That's a lot of people in our country. And that's more than Chicago, Houston, and Philadelphia combined. (laughs) So just to give you an idea of, like, people in our community specifically, they're grappling with, diagnosable mental health that's a pretty big number or not a pretty big number but it's substantial that it's something to yeah. talk about yeah? yeah does that sound i think the number's higher i think, you that think these, the are, pe- these higher. are people who are reporting okay. right okay this it's is higher. good this is mental health america yeah no one asked me i don't know so. <laughs> <laughs> right clearly <laughs> yeah not everyone's going to report their symptoms mm-hmm. or be seen to report them yeah so this okay i want to talk to you about two things so one of the things that these cited was historical adversity, which is slavery, sharecropping, race-based exclusion, health, educational, and socioeconomic resources, and everywhere. racism. Um, as a professional, how do you see those things impacting brown people? Do you see those things impacting brown people and how in the way of mental health? Um, let's see. So it's systematically like the systematic effects. Do you see that? Yeah. Uh, in terms of depression. So I had a client I saw Monday who um, it wasn't. So this wasn't a client who's dealing with depression. It was anxiety. But I can speak to it in terms of anxiety, which I think is kind of useful. Um, well put together guy, smart, good job, looks good. Um, has anxiety in social settings, social anxiety. Okay. As a result of loud sirens having pulled him over time and time again and guns being drawn when he's pulled over um, multiple times in the city of Los Angeles. And so, yeah, there's like certain things that we're up against when we walk through the world that not everyone else is up against that really have us frightened or sad. And we don't, because we, when something traumatic happens to you or you feel like your life is at risk, you become extremely hypervigilant And then after it's over, your body doesn't fully let go of all of the adrenaline that was required to potentially protect yourself. And so you now see certain uh, you are in certain circumstances that ignite that and make you think you are you are in Mm. danger again when you may, in fact, not be. You may be Mm -hmm. in this in this climate. You probably are. Um, So you like you kind of need some of it, but you maintain this hypervigilance that makes you feel afraid. Mm-hmm. and scared and also can make you then I think it like it could lead to sadness because you're like like I'm a threat 
I'm a threat and I'm and but I know I'm not a threat and this this doesn't feel good. So yeah, I could see how that could relate to that client in particular. I'm trying to think of like my female clients of color. It's hard to disentangle because a lot of what my clients present with is like the teachings of their family. Yeah. yeah. Which are informed by culture, which yeah. are informed by, by systems. Historic yeah. Events. So like um what do you see as a through line? Um, in identifying depression in black women because I do think the rates of black women being depressed are way way higher than we think they are and I think black women don't necessarily understand that they're depressed they just think like life is hard and I'm just Mm -hmm. plugging through can I call back to like something you said in our first sure when we first had our um and keep that same energy we were talking about black women and depression and just that sometimes depression shows up as irritability. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just really, for me, it was really eye-opening because there are so, I think there are so many women in my life and um, even myself who are just irritated and just angry and maybe don't have, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like they have reason to be, with air quotes. You know what I mean? In theory. Because I don't know if we've had that space where we've, you know, now this is like the mental health culture, mm-hmm. like millennials are all about self-care. Yeah, it's great. It's a it's a resurgence or a, a birth of just recognizing that there are mental issues and it doesn't mean that, you know, you need to go to an asylum or something like <laughs> right. that. Um, and they're very normal. I think it's just like normalizing it. So I want to talk about that because... I think you're right. I think it does show up in ways and we don't acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. I even spoke to a woman uh, a week ago. I'm working with her on a project and she was like, I remember saying like, what is stress? Some she's from the islands and she's mm-hmm. like, stress. What is that? What is stress? They don't know <laughs> it the same. You know? Yeah. It's been created here a little yeah. differently. Yeah. Um, gosh, what do I have to say about that? I'm a slow thinker. It takes me some time no, to like fine. stop process and really say what I want to say. Um, I'm thinking about crabs in a barrel Mm -hmm. and I think that there's already this like idea of scarcity that we carry because Mm -hmm. we have been limited in what we have access to. And I think as a result, we feel like we cannot be weak because like if I'm weak, someone else will will supersede and take what I can possibly get. And I, we are shifting, think everything holy and heavenly and whatever. Um, we are now seeing that like, we're recognizing that we need support Yes. And if it ain't come as black females, if it's not coming from a man, you need a solid system of sisters who can support you and who are not perceiving you as a threat. But like I'm looking to applaud you, understanding that abundance is ours and my applause for you does not take away from any applause that's coming to me. Hmm. And um, I think that because we're not fully shifted into that gear yet, because we don't have that, we are not fully thriving. We are not having those moments, not all of us, where we're like, girl, today is hard. And I kind of today was one of those days I wish that like life wasn't happening for me. I'm not saying I want to kill myself. Oh, yeah. But I just don't want to deal with like the pain that's happening for me today or maybe for the last three months. Um, we we think that if we do that, we're weak, we're all these things. Um, and we are moving past that and we're becoming stronger by expressing that. Mm-hmm. And because when I tell you that, I just told you and you nodded because you understand no, because that. during that time I was like, I remember saying this to my best friend. I was like, um, I said I would never harm myself and I would never hurt myself. I do not feel like I'm suicidal. 
But if I just like went to sleep and didn't wake up, cool. I would not I would have a problem fine. with that. I would be totally fine with that. I'm just mm-hmm. tired. Yes. It yeah. was just like deep fatigue. <laughs> like yeah. I don't. Yeah. I'm just tired. And for the longest, we didn't feel like we could say that because there's something wrong with that. They might think yeah. I'm crazy. But now we're like, no. But when I say that, I realize that I'm not in this alone, that other people feel that too. And then it's all normal. Did I answer the question? No, that was perfect. Okay. So <laughs> I have a hard to... time answering questions. <laughs> no. So what would you say, just to kind of wrap this up, what would you say are the things people should be looking for if they notice, because we talked about major depressive, but just day-to-day life where it's like you may need to reach out to a support system. If you could just give us a few pointers of like, these are things that you may want to reach out to somebody or, re- you know, professionally or reach out to friends. Just if... As soon as you feel like life is hard, whatever it could be like, um, I'm pretty sure my boss wants to fire me. It could be, you know, like I'm not feeling super secure in my relationship. I think he might be cheating. Anything that brings up something for you that makes you worry or feel afraid or sad, share that. Yeah, it is okay. And, and I have certain friends who are like, hey, I can be a lot sometimes. Like, let me know when I'm being too much. And like set those ground rules, too, so that you know who you have in your corner, who you can go to when things are really, really hard. That's fair. Um, so like, yeah, don't wait. It doesn't have to be this huge, nasty, ugly feeling of depression. It could just be like, today's hard. Can I talk to you about it? And yeah. share. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, just to kind of give you guys some additional resources. Um, There are people out there in the event you're worried about talking to people because there is a very real thing where it's like, I don't want to talk to somebody that doesn't look like me there. They may not understand. There are microaggressions like there are people out there who are here to serve the community. Soko being one of them, which is one of the reasons that we have you on the show. Also, your format for therapy is a little bit different. So in the event that you have a fear with obtaining therapy or you think it's going to be like her thing is therapy that's chill as fuck and it's important to know that like let's just talk it out guys it's okay you're not crazy if you have depression or anxiety it's it's okay we're all just trying to figure this thing out yes okay so wrapping up last sip what are the three things we want people to kind of have an idea about as they walk away from this i know the first thing um that i pulled from this is if you're noticing a problem, get on it and get on it quick. Yeah. Time is of the essence. Catching it early is really important to your growth. Um, the second one, self-talk. Yeah. Let which, me talk a little bit about that because we didn't go into that. But um, So I am trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is evidence-based treatment. It's shown to be effective in relieving the symptoms of anxiety and or depression. So most people who are experiencing symptoms of depression, it's a result of their thought process. They have had certain experiences that have shaped their thinking to to believe that they can't or they won't. And a lot of their language internally, subconsciously is is happening that way. And that will make you continue to feel helpless. Like if I was walking mm-hmm. with you all the day long and told you like, you're ugly, you're not going to be able to do this. You're actually not that good. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel like shit and you would not hang out with me. But we are that speaker to ourselves often, and that can create depression or anxiety. So just monitoring how you are talking to yourself and asking yourself, if someone was standing beside me saying the same thing I'm saying to myself, would I slap them? Mm -hmm. And probably yes, if that's the answer, then you need to slap yourself internally and stop that shit. Yes. I think that um, for me, being able to acknowledge that 
something is going on in your life. Just being feeling free enough to say that something's not right, um, to not diagnose it as uh, something to don't to not dismiss it. Um, I think that's like a huge, huge takeaway mm-hmm. because for so long, I think that I've dismissed certain things for um, I've no friends who've dismissed dismissed certain things like I'm just working really hard right now. Like this is just how life is right now. Oh, I'm just a little bit stressed. I feel like being able to be vulnerable with yourself and to not label yourself as I we have to get away from saying that it's saying crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think. But at the same time, that's where we automatically go. Um, and that seems like an extreme. So guys, um, instead of just saying like, like, you know, uh, like Sogo said earlier, like recognizing it ahead of time. Exactly. Paying attention. Being proactive. To, yeah. Being proactive and just, you know, it's life is hard and that's life okay to hard. say. And it's okay. Yeah. Guys, we want you to know that that's the perfect soundbite to take away from this. Life is hard and that's okay. And when you are not okay, reach out reach out to somebody. Mm-hmm. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please, if you have feedback for us, if you have questions for Soko, any additional information you want, we would love to hear from you. Um, our email is hello at ddspinthebottle.com and our social tags, we are on Instagram. You can hit us up at ddspinthebottle or on Facebook. All right, Dre, are you ready? Girl, I stay ready. Let's do it. Recent revelation. Here I go. I'm going to talk about abundance. So I recently hired a female counterpart to my therapy team. And she's dope as fuck. And she's beautiful as fuck. And it's really cool to be in a space as a female where I no longer perceive other people as a threat. And I think that that's a result of my like adoption of of this abundant lifestyle where like if i bring a dope bitch on my squad that just makes us doper that does not take away anything from me and i realized this when i was putting our picture up i was like wait i gotta find a picture where i look pretty and she looks pretty like it wasn't just about me (laughs) and it felt really good it was a new space where i wasn't just focused on myself my recent revelation is abundance and uplifting others to make us doper it's not a me thing it's a we thing that's so good, girl. I am abundant. And we're done. I mean, I think that's that's the way you end an episode. Love it. Drea, thank you for being my co-host. Girl, you're welcome. Soko, thank you for joining the team. Thanks you were for about having to just me, get us right. Thank you, Huck and Odin, our video and our engineer. We lo- we appreciate you guys. We love you. Okay. Johnson's Dre. out. Johnson's out. Johnson's out.